Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. We're here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And spring is in full swing. We've actually had, spring is here. I think the 19th, uh, March 19th was the official start of spring. And in the mountains, here's what happens. It's totally different than anywhere else in the country. And it's mainly an altitude thing. And I don't care what altitude you're at. If you're at 4,000 to 8,000 feet. Are there any 8,000s? No. 7,000. What is Flagstaff? 7,000, 7,100, something like that. The Pine Top Lakeside, similar, Williams, similar. Uh, all those elevations in between. Um, because of the altitude, you'll get these violent uh, temperature swings from each in the day. So you can have 40, 50 degree temperature swings between daytime and nighttime. So you will really want to focus on or plant things that can handle that. And there's a whole series of plants that thrive in that type of environment. But you need to be careful with the information you're getting from like the internet, because they'll tell you things like uh, the East Coast or Chicago, which that's great. But when Chicago or Minnesota or Wisconsin, they start to warm up, they slowly warm up and the days just, they just, they like percolate. They just keep getting warmer and warmer and warmer. They don't get these violent swings back and forth. And then we can get these storm systems that come through. So it's really nice. We're in, you know, t-shirts and shorts hiking around. And the next day, you know, next week, it's like, frost and freezing and snow and rain and then it'll be nice again you get this violent swing per day and then per week so you need plants that can handle that for the mountains of arizona that and you get some plants that struggle when they need a lot of acidity so the east coast midwest they have a lot of plants that love the acid so they're always correcting the acid their water is acidic their soil is acidic uh, but not so here in the mountains of Arizona. We're dealing with just the opposite, very alkaline. I mean, I farmed at a farm in Chino Valley for many years uh, where we had a well, huge producing well, but it produced pH water that was at 9.3. It varied between 9.2 and 9.4. Those of you that have had um, hot tubs or pools, you know, you're always measuring the pH of the water. And if you get the pH wrong, You'll sit there in the hot tub and it feels so good. Ah, you're watching the, so, the stars go by. You can hear birds in the distance. It's just as peaceful. You get out and your, your skin like wants to crawl off you just because the acid was too alkaline or too acidic. You get that pH off. Your skin just wants to get itchy and scratchy and you just want to go take a shower. Get the pH right on. Oh, it's, get out. It's like uh, no worries. Like you feel refreshed. It's so pr no problem. Your plants are the same way. You get that pH off and it's sitting there. It doesn't get a chance to get out of the water in a hot tub situation. It's stuck in that soil. So if that pH goes too high or too low, the, the bark literally wants to scratch right off of the roots. And so you'll get root rot. Just some things happen with it and it struggles. It turns yellow and doesn't bloom, drops its fruit or its foliage. That's because of pH. Almost always, if your plants start to yellow, it's almost always because the pH crept up too high. 
We're struggling with too high. So I was just watching HGTV this week, reading some Fine Garden magazine, and, and they're saying add lime to your soil. Lime sweetens the soil. Well, don't ever, whatever you do, if you're from the East, you're from Baltimore, Boston, or New York City, whatever you do, don't do that out here. You'll kill your plants. It, what, what lime does is it raises the pH. And so if you're from an area with really acidic soil, you're always trying to raise the pH to make it more neutral. Neutral is considered 6.5. 6 to 6.5 is technically a neutral pH soil. Things will grow and root and thrive and be great. Your fertilizer will react and become more uh, responsive to the plant. Plants can pull up more of it. Uh, you'll never have to add iron to your plants because things are neutral, perfectly balanced. Well, our water coming out of your tap is on average 7.5 to 8.5. I've seen, again, in well settings, if, you've got, if you're in a well, you should probably measure it. But the pH was at 9, 9.2. Things won't grow. They're sterile. You can kill things by simply watering it with the wrong pH. So your water is every time you water, the soil will naturally take on the pH of the water that you're watering with. So what we're doing here, almost guaranteed, we're trying to lower the pH, make things more acidic. We're trying to counteract that well or city tap water that, that makes that's unhealthy for the plants. So instead of lime, we are trying to add soil sulfur. That's the opposite of lime. So whenever you hear the national brands saying, oh, time to put lime out there, don't do it. Don't listen. Do just the opposite. Like that guy on the radio, I it's so entertaining. He's so handsome on the airwaves. Uh, you go, I, I sh what, would he, what was he saying? He's got a garden center in Prescott. You know, come visit us. We'll go, oh, yeah. He was talking about soil sulfur. It's the same every year. I throw sulfur over everything in the yard, from my native plants to my perennial gardens to my roses to my thyme lawn to my vegetable gardens. Everything gets – I just get a big bag, and I sling it around the yard just once in the spring. It counteracts the water, and as the rain or as your 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 tap water, your – Irrigation water hits that little nodule of sulfur. It makes it more acidic. I find my flowers are, are more fragrant, brighter colors. The fruits won't drop off. The, the evergreens stay greener. There's a lot of benefits by doing that in addition to your natural fertilizers. So you kind of want to do both. You want to feed. You need to feed. There's no natural food in your yard. But in addition, I also add soil sulfur at the same time. But just, just please stop. I mean, get inspired by design when you're looking at your nationally programmed garden content coming off the TV or magazines. But then the plant selection will be a little bit different. Here, dogwoods, dogwoods, dogwoods. I get all my Californians wanting dogwoods. And, and uh, no, that's East Coast. The Californians want Japanese maple. There you go. So I get them mixed up. Uh, both of those. Great little plant, gets up to, I don't know, 10, 12 feet. It's cute, easy to maintain. But in, in those areas, whether it's East Coast or West Coast, you can grow those right in full sun. Let them blister hot. If you do that in the mountains in a high-altitude garden, uh, our sun is so intense, it will vaporize the foliage. The tag says it will grow in full sun, and it will. You'll just hate it. It'll be the ugliest plant you've ever grown because the leaves will burn back. They'll be, it'll look, it'll look emaciated, struggling, windstruck. It looks like it's drying out. And no amount of water will correct that because the roots can't take up the moisture as fast as it's perspiring. You just need to be, 
you need to do your homework for your local area. And the mountains of Arizona is unique and different, mainly from the pH, then from the sun intensity, and then dryness and wind. Those two variables. We're going to start probably by, by April 1 or so, this prevailing southwest wind. And eventually, after March, it starts to dry out. And then um, May and June are our driest months. So it can be 10% humidity with this prevailing southwest wind. It really is hard on plants. So you want plants that have a thicker leaf, uh, less less uh, um, less leaf uh, nobed leaves. So your acerebrum from the Midwest. It's a great plant. It will grow here, uh, but it can get wind whipped. So it can tear. The leaves can tear. You're better off going with an Armstrong maple or a Blaze maple or the Celebration maple. These are plants that have the same maple leaf but they don't tear as easy because they have a thicker thicker leaf to it. So some basic homework, and there's reasons for a certain plant selection, but don't just trust what you read on the internet unless you're subscribed to my weekly garden column I write and send out. But that's local garden information. That's us. Talk to your local garden center. Talk to a neighbor that obviously has a green thumb, and they can hone you in to make sure that you don't have you don't you don't make a mistake basically. Our goal here at Waters Garden Center, we want to make sure that you're you're gonna make mistakes. That's called that's just called gardening. We want to make sure you're making mistakes in the right direction. So you're always learning, you're never going backwards, always going forward, but maybe not right on the mark, but weaving back and forth and having some great success with that. That's that's our true goal. That's the goal of this radio show. That's the goal of the garden column. That's the goal of our Instagram post or Facebook, any kind of garden content that we're throwing out there. We want you to be better and to be entertained. There's enough bad stuff out, news out there. We want you to have some uplifting, inspirational garden information that helps you be better in the backyard. Ken, Ken Lane will be right back after this important message. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. The colors of spring are bursting at Waters' 58th Spring Open House. Talk directly to our farmers as they show off the newest flowers, brightest evergreens, and freshest new bloomers. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday, it's impromptu garden classes, sidewalk art, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 58th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 13th through 15th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Hi, Waters here with this week's Plant of the Week and our show-off for Scythias. A new standout for Scythia with very large, very bright solar yellow flowers that adorn the plant from head to toe. Relax! This showy spring shrub is beautiful and requires no pruning or cleanup. This show-off is just days away from bloom and limited. Don't wait until these big bulb for Scythia are gone at just $39. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love show-off for Scythia love to shop. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. We are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes in each week with your garden questions. Just what are neighbors talking about? We are into spring. This is the first week full, I mean, full on spring, um, at least by the calendar. <laughs> And then uh, 
And then the plants are going, so you can tell mm-hmm. spring is in the air. So it's kind of exciting to see, go from boredom. I literally get cabin fever. I need to get out more. I mean, you can't hike enough. You just want to be outside and sip coffee and watch hummingbirds and watch a sunset. And in the winter, you can't do that. But now you can start can in start. between the storms. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But so yes. our daughter graduated from esthetician school in Austin, mm-hmm. Texas. We got back from there. Yep. And coming across the deserts, the flowers were in full spring. They were. Those parts that had flowers <laughs> that were desolate ground, but beautiful. Yeah, the panhandles isn't much to look out, but there were lots, even the, even the grasslands. Mm-hmm. You'll get some wildflowers, some uh, blue bonnets and uh, lupins. You're starting to see things starting to take off. Yeah, the blue bonnets were all over Austin. It was yeah. gorgeous. First time I've seen them. Yeah, well, we got to go pretty. in March more often. Well, we need more daughters to graduate uh, from Austin. And <laughs> it's a long haul. I don't know why we drove. The, the reason we drove, yes. we've got a kid in El Paso with grandkids. Yes. And then we have two daughters in Austin. So you kind of go, mm-hmm. El Paso is exactly the halfway point, eight hours away. You go, oh, we'll visit them for a couple of days. And then you go the extra eight hours to Austin. Mm-hmm. It was fun. We brought our dog fun. with us. That yeah. was the other reason we drove. We brought our little miniature schnauzer first road trip she did oh, pretty man. good she did okay everything's new oh, what are we doing where are we going do i jump out in traffic now or later well, no. what do i do what do i do <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah. it's fun it was she fun. Did great it was good to see the grandkids and the kids and spend time with everybody so did the grandkids have any garden questions like our listeners oh remember what chris did so Chris, our oldest grandson, his mom bought him an ant farm. Oh, yeah. There we go. So yeah. uh, Chris and Pop Pop went out and collected ants. <laughs> they waited until I got there to uh, put this ant farm together. Going, Where do we get ants from? Going online. <laughs> or we can go in the backyard. So they started looking online. It's, it's like $110 for a queen ant. Crazy. I'm going, we don't need no queen ant for under. We got free right out there. Bring it. Bring a stick. We'll collect ants. We'll throw them in this ant farm. We went out there. The uh, the heads on ants are ginormous in Texas. They're yes. Texas style. They're Texas size. Some yeah. black ant and some, they were cold. So they're going to slowly coming out. You just mm-hmm. look for the entry point. Mm-hmm. Sentries right there going, stay out. They came up and they just start rolling out. You're going, we're, we got you covered. Yeah. Let's take them with the stick, throw them in the, in the ant farm. We had like 20, 30 of them. It's crazy. They instantly start going, going. They start they harvesting start working stuff. Right yeah. away. <laughs> Brought them indoors. They warmed up, and uh-huh. I was like an entomologist superhero. You were, yeah. Pop, pop to the, the rescue gardener. again. That's yep. right. The ant whisperer, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody got bit. Yeah. It was amazing. We do have questions, though. Jesse would like to know what's the very pretty pink blooming tree that she is seeing all around town. Well, there's been, so yep, so there's maybe two. Maybe, mm-hmm. Yeah, the crab apples haven't quite gone, so it's probably got to be a purple leaf plum. So it's a vase-shaped tree. It's got a real dark, uh, almost purpley colored, a gray-purple colored bark. Mm-hmm. Very pretty short tree. It's not a shade tree, so it's ornamental. But purple leaf plum or KV plum or thundercloud plum, it's got several names. Uh, but they've got a pink flower to it. They're just robust. They almost mm-hmm. naturalize. They're they're a strain of of the white one that's blooming, a short white one. It's, there's a wild cherry yeah. that's coming up that just naturally started blooming in the wild. 
Uh, if you see that one, that's a cousin of, of the purple leaf plum. They're both the prunus family, mm -hmm. and so they're both robust. It could be, depending on where she's from, it could have been a red bud. Red buds have also been in bloom not quite as long. Uh, it's more umbrella-shaped rather than vase-shaped. Uh, it grows up about the same size. And, but it's got a very uh, red to, to red pink, very dark, rich pink flower to it. When the leaf comes out, it'll have a, a heart-shaped green leaf. Uh, short, great ornamental tree again. Just real, again naturalizes, does great. There's a wild variety that grows here in the just out and out and about. Uh, so it depends on one of those two. One, I'd say, come in. We can show you the trees. And one of them, they're both there in bloom here. Right. Just look at the one and go, yeah, it was that one. When you, then you can plant that one. It, that's the one. So, but both yeah. are both in bloom right now. Mm -hmm. I've noticed the uh, ornamental pears are in bloom too. Yeah, they just started this week. Yeah, yeah. a pretty white tree mm -hmm. that gets bigger. That can be a shade tree. Oh yeah. So it gets. 30 by 30, 30, depending on the variety, 30 by 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets a white flower in spring, bridal white. And then right after it'll bloom for like a month, then it will put on this real pretty waxy leaf. Mm -hmm. It's one of the last trees that turn red in the fall of the year. So you kind of have all the seasons covered. It's got a light-colored bark to it. Mm -hmm. So it's not, not as white as aspens or birch, mm -hmm. but... It's light-colored, very pretty. It's a yeah, pretty tree. Pretty tree. just takes room in the yard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Quinn has had his vegetable bed ready since February. Put the manure and all the additives you Good recommended. You. Wants to know, well, what can you plant now? Oh, you can go for it. If you got your soil ready, start plugging. You should be harvesting. You put yeah. in you put in lettuce, and in two weeks, you'll be picking off foliage, kale, uh, parsley, uh, spinach, chard. Yeah, there's so many things you can plant right now. Mm -hmm. I would say focus on all the leafy stuff. If you're harvesting the foliage or the flower, like mm -hmm. broccoli, those things go in because the flavor is better when it's real cool out at night. So you get a production out of that through through May, first part of June. Uh, stay away from, you'll be tempted by, tomatoes and eggplants and cucumbers. Saying you're harvesting the actual fruit. Those are summer things the summer plants go in at the end of spring first part of summer so that would be really after mother's day is what mm -hmm. the locals use a demarcation line so spring things go in in the spring let leafy stuff and then summer things go in after mother's day so that's kind of your cue so leave some space open mm -hmm. for corn but you could go ahead and plant radishes leave some space open for uh, uh, beans, but you can plant peas. Mm -hmm. It leaves some space open for those. You can almost have a high density garden because right. our season's so long. Put spring things in now, harvest, harvest, harvest when they're all kind of pooping out because it's hot. Start putting in beans and eggplants and squash and corn and tomatoes and those kinds of things. So if you, uh, I guess you're feeding all along, but do you need to put more additives in your soil? If you've done your, your cool season veggies and like, okay, now I'm going to do my warm seasons, should you put more manure or anything like that in or just what would you recommend? No, I think once the soil is prepped, you're good to go. You'll want to readdress the nutrient level. So what will happen is, if, especially if you did the duty of, of putting all the, the duty of manures, <laughs> <laughs> if you got all your soils ready, man. got your fertilizers, your soil, you know, soil activators, all this stuff. Things will just ignite with growth. I mean, it's instant. I mean, you're going, whoa, I'm such a good gardener because you got the soil ready. Mm -hmm. 
then they'll then all of a sudden they'll stop growing about two months out. So by May one, you'll be going, hey, you aren't growing as fast. I wonder what's going on. It's running out of food. Mm. There you can reapply a fruit and vegetable food. We make an organic pelletized food. Mm-hmm. Sprinkle some of that around, water it in, and it will just take off again, like instantly take off. So before you start replanting, you're replacing the spring things with your summer things, I would say go ahead and just take that old spent pea out. They're done harvesting. And before you plant the beans, which is a mm-hmm. summer type of tendril kind of, of, of vine, Plant your beans and sprinkle some more fruit and vegetable food on top of that. Mm-hmm. And you, now you've front-loaded a bunch of nutrients. It will just take off a new growth. That's a 6447 fertilizer. That one's got se- six nitrogen, phosphorus, potash, the same three numbers. But the seven is calcium. We're notorious for calcium deficiencies in our vegetable gardens. Well, if we know that, we're making our own food. We actually front-loaded that, that food with a whole bunch of calcium so you have less blossom end rot. It'll bring the flavor out. You get larger fruits and vegetables off of that. So it's made for, for edible plants, fruit trees, berries, brambles, grapes, tomatoes, the vegetable gardens, herbs. It's made for all that. So sprinkle some more of that on when it starts growing, and it will instantly start taking off with new growth. And that's kind of how you do all that. Great questions this week, folks. Hey, Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners will be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Hi, Waters with the Plants of the Week and our Roman Beauty Roseberry. This Mediterranean beauty has graceful, arching branches that flow over rock walls, raised beds, or container's edge. A culinary herb often used in potpourri. Rugged, deer-resistive, evergreen, likes crummy soil, drought, and abuse. Now that's my kind of shrub for under $36. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love unusual, healthy herbs, they love to shop. Some things are just better together. March is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters Garden Center. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Ah. Thanks, Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together, and only at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. So a, a couple things. I'm starting to get customers with two questions. Two. T- this is the theme this week. Um, how do I water? How do I water? How do I water? When do I turn the irrigation on? When should I do it? People are, are getting ready. I would say don't be in a hurry. Really, we say to turn the irrigation on sometime after the frost, as deep freezes are, are done at least. So that'd be April sometime. Middle of April, you're fine. So you've got a, you've got a few weeks, two, three weeks before you even have to think about it. Our growing season is from April through October. So if you're thinking uh, thinking in those terms, you kind of want to have your irrigation on 
those times. Really, it should become a concern once you start to see your the, the bulk of your landscape in bloom or in foliage. Once that new, new flower or new leaf comes out, they start to use much more moisture than when they are dormant. So we do water here 12 months out of the year. So we're dry climate. We really don't freeze. We don't have a frost line. I mean, it does get freezing, but the ground doesn't freeze. We don't have a eight foot frost line like Wisconsin. We have a eight millimeter frost line. We just, it's just hardly, and then it, then it thaws that day. So really, we're more worried about soil heaving than we are frost ground freezing. So heaving is where the ground freezes at night, and then during the day it warms up and it thaws. So this freeze and thaw cycle at the upper layer of that, of that soil can cause heaving. Well, if you've got some great new root growth that happened last fall through early winter, well, you can heave, that soil can heave and break that that root structure, so you actually can go backwards. You can have more damage done because those roots get broken and now it will have to re-leaf and start over. That's why I promote in February, first part of March, you should really put some shredded cedar bark around that root zone, uh, kind of over the rock or pull the rock back and put this layer of shredded cedar bark. Or if you're a composter, put a two to three inch layer of compost around those roses or roses sharons or crepe myrtles or whatever it is. It'll keep that ground from heaving. We have more damage from that than freezing or frost, you know, permafrost. With that, you're not have to, you don't don't even worry about watering. Well, that's happening. I say you turn the irrigation on. Usually, that gets done April 15. It depends on your elevation. This is broadcast all over northern Arizona. For you, you folks in Kingman and and uh, Hillside, Baghdad, uh, Yuma, those areas, you're probably first part middle. First part of April, you turn your irrigation on. If you're tuned in from Pine Top Lakeside, Sholo, Flagstaff, Williams, uh, uh, Groom Creeks, you know that that six thousand plus, sixty five hundred foot level and above, you might be May. You you might turn that irrigation on. Don't feel like like you're in a hurry. We've had some good moisture. When you do turn it on, please do me a favor. Please, please, please listen to my words. You really do want to water deeply and then don't water again for a while. I'm talking trees, shrubs, things that have a root structure that's, you know, foot, two foot, three foot down into the ground. These things love to be heavily moisturized, that is, irrigate for an hour, two hours. Drip that thing on, just drip, drip, drip. Push that water deep into the ground and then let it air out for a week. So about once a week watering for things that are established, that's a good pattern. So, But you have to water deep enough when you do that. So many times I see a new landscape, they've turned that irrigation on every day for 15 minutes. They've been in the house for three years. These plants have been surviving on a, a, thimble, a thimble full of water for years, and they're very shallow-rooted. They struggle when, when we get into the summer season when it's hot. You really do want to train your plants when you finally turn that irrigation on. You want to train them to go after the water, go deeper, root deeper after the water. And that's by leaving that system on a long time, but then let it breathe, let it air out. If you're watering every day in an hour at a time, that, that's like, that's doom. You'll for sure have crown rot and root rot and all kinds of rots. It stays too wet. Most plants that grow in the deserts need to have moisture, 
then they like to dry out. Again, this is a dry climate. You're putting plants in that like to go dry. You kind of want to have plants that you want to give them time to dry out. So this everyday pattern, turn the irrigation on every day, totally wrong way to irrigate your plants. Anyway, that's one thing. The second theme question that keeps coming through, it's like a mantra, um, it's, it's because of our desert influence, uh, Southern California, Palm Springs, Phoenix, uh, Tucson, is the question comes up, can I plant? Yes, it's perfect, the perfect time to plant. You're absolutely best time to plant. Big evergreens, like spruce and pine, best time to plant fruit trees, best time to put a hedgerow privacy screen, best time to put those early spring blooming lilacs, forsythia, best time to put perennials in, you, best time to put wildflowers, best time to start a lawn. I mean, you're in the growing season. It is spring. You're good to go. I mean, you To have some frost and some freeze and some cold temperature, just because you're cold does not mean these early spring plants are. I'd say stay away from the summer plants. I mean, don't go down to Phoenix and buy a cactus, bring it up here and expect it to grow. It won't. First of all, it doesn't grow at this altitude. Um, and then, then watch your summer. I'd say wait to prune or to, to plant crepe myrtles, rosa sharons, the summer blooming things. Plant the spring blooming things now, and you're good to go. It's a great time to plant. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Hi, Lisa with the plants of the week and our majestic giant pansies. Mammoth blooms smother this 12-inch plant right through winter. Fragrant like its fairy face cousin, this giant bloomer has the perfect balance between evergreen foliage and flower brightness. Hardy and carefree, this pansy brings the garden back to life, all for just $7.99. You'll only find them at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love majestic pansies, they love to shop. Once upon a time, Fred the Sage and Bob the Yucca watched a herd of deer eat their neighbor's garden. Hey, Bob, said Fred. It's a good thing we're native Arizona plants from Waters Garden Center. Right, Fred, said Bob. We can handle tough Prescott dirt, hot sun, low water, and we look great in the garden. You betcha, Bob, said Fred. Hummingbirds and bees love us, but that deer sure doesn't. Be like Fred and Bob. Go native at Waters Garden Center. Safe, natural, and organic. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, so we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week. We just dedicate this entire segment of the show to her and whatever's going on in her gardens, her garden mind, who's been helping customers or just was inspired at the garden center or through through gardens out throughout the neighborhood, just you you can inspire us right now. What if I can't? That's a well, lot of pressure. You have <laughs> we've got an hour to fill on the airwaves. We have to be entertaining and informative. Infotainment. <laughs> so I can't be, take the pressure. Turkey, honey. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a challenge. It's easier now than than a than a, a month ago. In winter, it's harder. Uh, oh, winter! Focus on house plants. You know, growing seed inside. Kind of boring <laughs> topics, but now it's things are starting to wake up. It's they blooming. Are. It's easier to Instagram and Facebook right now. Mm-hmm. It's just better. It is. Spring is in the air. Very true. Very true. So, 
it's interesting. So we get our peonies in and they come in dormant. This time yeah. of year, they come in dormant. So they're basically a bucket with dirt in it. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little node, little eyeball coming out. Right. Uh, they're starting to sprout more now. Definitely some are really coming up. But invariably, people ask me, you can grow peonies here? Oh, yeah. Slap and them before you say yes. <laughs> of course. We're in the mouth. It's perfect. It is. It is. You can grow some really nice peonies here. Um, and you can even grow them in containers. Yeah. We've had uh, an Ito peony. We've had, what, three years now? Four oh, years? Oh, longer than that. In a big pot. Just, yeah. This is the huge peony. Mm -hmm. It gets up three, four feet tall, wide, yeah. with, with flowers as big as your hand. They're amazing. Oh, they're beautiful. But what kind of, uh, what do they need soil-wise? What do they need sunlight-wise? What's the best place to put them? Well, peonies specifically... They have a real fleshy root, much like rhubarb. Mm -hmm. uh, so be a big fleshy root. So if they get in a soil that's really heavy, this would be out in the valley areas or any place where there's hard clay soil or caliche, you need to make sure that it drains. That's why a peony grows so well in a, in a pot, a container, because mm -hmm. the container's got a hole in the bottom. You're using potting soil. It just it automatically breathes. They'll automatically do well on a raised bed because the soil you brought in naturally breathes better. If they're going in the ground, which they will grow just fine in the ground, just make sure it drains well. That's where a peony is going to grow better out in a sandy or you go towards mm -hmm. Granite Mountain, those areas. It's got that sandy layer on top. It grows great and it loves that. Mm -hmm. uh, so those that's the main thing. Um, they then grow down a driveway. They take sun. They take they need more sun. I'd say they need at least four hours of sun. Uh, so they'll, they'll take that. You get better flowers with that. Ours is grown in a pot on the south side against a wall, <laughs> and it loves it. Mm -hmm. So you can grow it right out there in full sun, full wind. Mm -hmm. If it's in a really windy area, the smaller, the English peonies, the shorter ones are going to do better yeah. than the tall ones. So those are just some real quick things. And okay. they tend to be heavy feeders. Actually, they'll naturalize. They'll almost go by themselves. You get them established. They're so deep-rooted. Right. They're so drought-hardy that they'll just almost go by themselves and count on them. And they bloom in the spring, uh, what, six, eight weeks? Yeah, a couple months. Like yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Depends on where they're at. But yeah. yeah. So even when they're not in bloom, I think the foliage is Stunning. beautiful. Oh, yeah. Very kind of lace leaf. Not lace leaf. What would you call it? Lace leaf. Lace leaf. Yeah, beautiful <laughs> okay, lace leaf Lace stuff. leaf. Yeah. Um, ours in our pot is we usually put... Um, annuals around it just yeah. to kind of give some color in there but it's striking up until it's, winter time it's fun crazy. to watch them grow because peonies will grow almost you can almost watch them by the day mm -hmm. coming up out of the ground and so the english peonies just some 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 clue for folks mm -hmm. if you're buying these things online don't do that you're wasting <laughs> your time energy and money because a peony needs to be at least two years old mm -hmm before they are old enough to start blooming. You can get some plugs online, yeah. which is like a one-year-old or, or just a few weeks old, uh, kind of perennial, but they won't bloom for two, three years. Mm. So all of our peonies, the average peony out there is three to five years old mm -hmm. before they even come in. Right. So you get the Ito peony, you mentioned that, that's a cross between a tree peony and an English peony. We've taken cuttings and cross-bred them. That's how you can get this like, like peony on steroids. It is. Mm -hmm. And so you get the root of a tree peony with a grafted with an English peony. You get an English peony that's like bigger than your hand. Mm -hmm. The fragrance is un. 
unbelievable. Right. But an English peony is what your grandparents grew. They're, they're, they For come sure. in all kinds of colors. I don't mm-hmm. know the names of what we got, but there's all kinds of varieties. And now's the time to put them in. Right. It's better to put them in before they start to bloom because they'll, they'll bloom longer. That flower will last longer for you out right. in, in the garden. Yeah. And we do have all colors. We have some really, I would butcher the name, so I'm not even going to try it, but it's a really dark fuchsia color. Yeah. It's a double peony. Uh, very stunning. It would it be called a dark fuchsia? No. Uh, Frobruchia? C-Y-T-H-E-R-E-A. Cactorinthia. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't even know what you That's just what spelled. I'm not going to butcher it. <laughs> It's got to be someone's last name that created, found this thing. I think they name a lot of these yeah. after people. <laughs> Good heavens. But probably an English name. Probably a, <laughs> no, it's probably a Scottish name. Well, here's another one. Jan van Luan. L-E-E-U. Van Luan. Got to be German. Luan. John van Luan. It's, it's a white flower. That's it's neat. a single that's, one. That's unusual. Yeah. For peony, white, right. especially a white single, very unusual. Looked very pretty. Coral charm, of course, is kind of a persimmon, persimmony color. Yeah. Had many happy returns. It's kind of a nice warm red color. Uh, what other colors do we have? We have, oh, in the Ito, we have a canary brilliant. Oh, it's got to be yellow, I guess, or it's cream kind of a color? creamy. They cream call it creamy buttery. Yeah, that's super unusual. <laughs> to see a peony yeah. in that kind of color. You don't see right. yellows in a peony. Usually, mm-hmm. it's more reds, purples, right. that kind of stuff. Lady orchid. It's a double white. Pink, oh, pink, pink. orchid. Ooh. Yeah, it's a pink one. Double pink. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to interpret what the color would be, and I, I'm a okay. man. How about I got Buckeye it wrong Bell. every time. What? Buckeye Bell. What color would that be? Buckeye would got to be tan. Yeah. It's got- <laughs> A tan flower. There's nothing no, better. It's not tan. It smells like dirt. No, it's really pretty, actually. It's. They're know. not in bloom right now. No. But they've come in. What happens is there. There's a clamoring for peonies, and they're kind of a specialty crop. So you do want to buy those while they're available. When you see them, grab them. Mm-hmm. Especially one that's old enough to bloom this year. You want to grab them right away because they won't be there very long, right. and they'll be, they will run out of crop rotations. Mm-hmm. Uh, clematis would sort of be the same way. So you, you can run out of the colors you want mm-hmm. those. Whereas you get salvias all day long. That's yeah, true. there might be different colors of red, but we always have red salvias. Galardias. We always have galardias. There'll be different colors of red or um, orange or yellows, but we've always got them. There's less pressure. Yeah. The peonies, because they have to be so old before they're old enough to bloom, you, you kind of want to grab them, while, a good it's, quality it's a one. limited crop. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd say fruit trees are the same way. Fruit trees, mm-hmm. they need to be five, seven years old before they're old enough to fruit. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to, all of our fruit trees are at least five, really seven years old, or some of them could be 10, 12, 15 years old before they come in. But the structure's there. They're starting, they could fruit right in the racks. But it's limited when there's, it's a 15 years. That, that crop, you, they haven't been around. You, yeah. they, they disappear. Right. You can't go out and get another 15 year crop tree and when that well when you can't about gone, 15 years oh yeah so you kind of want to the urgency is sometimes there yeah. with certain varieties right. of of plants mm-hmm. that is true but speaking of salvia we yeah. have gotten our first loads of the salvia greg EIN. we have the radio red uh, we have ignition purple those are both very, very pretty. I think we have some hot lips out there, too, yeah. which is the red and white. So definitely uh, pretty ones out there. Good time to put them in. We also have some Gara. 
uh, which is the one we have is Pink Cloud, which is really pretty. I like Pink Cloud. I like it's, it better. I think it blooms yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, it has kind of a purpley green foliage to it with a really dark pink um, blossom. Very, very pretty. We have a, a new salvia out called Rose Marvel Salvia. Um, great if you guys have javelina issues, bunny issues, because they're not going to eat that one. And it's really uh, a really pretty rose color. And they say, this is unproven, but the tag says you don't have to cut it back to get it to bloom again. Oh, really? So we'll see. Huh, Usually that would be interesting. So self prunes. Yeah. Normally I take the lawnmower or weed whacker over <laughs> ours just go, yeah, we're done. It's Fertilizer so pretty resets. when you do <laughs> Well, it just resets for a whole nother meadow of things. Well, that's, yeah. I think we're out of time. We so are. I know you got a long list. They need to come in. Lots of perennial flowers are here starting to show up. They're starting to show color. Mm -hmm. You can put perennials in now. I would say you're you're good to garden. Go for it. Enjoy it. Get some fresh air. Get away from viruses and economy. Just decompress and lose track of time and enjoy your gardens. Got it. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners, we will be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's Waters with two T's, GardenCenter.com. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Winter Blooming Heat. With 2018 upon us, you might as well start the gardens outright with one of these few winter blooming flowers. Ferny evergreen leaves are topped by the sweetest of bell-shaped pink flowers. Loves to be planted right out in the yard. Enjoy showing off in winter at just $36. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love winter blooming heat, they love to shop. Wondering why my garden looks amazing? Well, that's personal. The personal garden shopper service at Waters Garden Center, that is. Before talking with my personal shopper, I had no idea which plants would be best for me. But now my garden is bursting with flowers and buzzing with hummingbirds. Just go to watersgardencenter.com, click on shop, and choose personal garden shopper. A Waters Garden expert will pick the perfect plants for you, personally. The Personal Garden Shopper, only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. thought I would go over or cover the top blooming shrubs you're seeing starting right now or of spring the top bloomers of spring shrub form mainly so we're starting out first and foremost folks have been coming in asking what that yellow shrub is there's a shrub in the yards it naturalizes really nicely it, it's a good interface with deer and rabbits they just don't bother it but forsythia that's blooming forsythia we are famous in the mountains of Arizona for our forsythia because it just naturalizes so well. It's a, it's a head-high shrub. Anyway, we've got some dwarf ones that are maybe hip-high to head-high. Depends on the variety. Uh, Magical Gold is kind of my favorite just because it has a larger yellow flower to it. They all have the same bright solar yellow flower to it. But the flower size can vary, and the ultimate shrub size can vary. So that's kind of one of my favorites. You're seeing a white shrub right now. It's just started to open this week. That is uh, viburnum. There's different varieties of viburnum. 
They can be very dwarfed to a large, like bridal wreath viburnum. This is a, like a hedge. They make privacy screens out of it. Uh, but it wakes up every spring with this bright white flower, bridal white, like flowing white miniature flowers. Each shrub will have thousands of flowers on it, very fragrant. And again, this one, the animals don't eat. It's very drought hardy. It's got a thick leathery leaf. It's just great fall color. It's got a lot going on, on for it. Uh, and, and I think it's pretty. It's a great one with, with some of the other brighter colored flowers. Flowering quince. Quince, like your grandparents grew, they used to make quince jellies, that kind of stuff. With the old-fashioned varieties of quince, they could be messy because the fruit will, form off, or will fall off. Uh, but the new varieties that are out, they've bred the fruit out of it. So you get this bright orange, bright red, bright colored flowers, same drought hardiness, tough Animals, again, don't bother this. I've, I've grown it right on the edge of the driveway, right where elk and deer were roaming by, and they never bothered the quince. So it's another great spring bloomer. It kind of announces spring. A little bit more unusual kind of plant, uh, but, but a super one for the mountains of Arizona. Lilacs are probably one of my favorites of all. There's so many for every yard needs a lilac in the mountains, and here's why. Again, it's pretty robust as far as drought goes. It's considered drought hardy. It's pretty robust when it comes to animals. Animals generally leave it alone. Sometimes deer can nibble on them before they realize, oh yeah, I didn't like that. And they, they move on. Uh, but it's got that great big flower. It's just maybe a, a foot long flower uh, that's just so fragrant. I mean, the fra they, make, they make perfumes out of lilac, uh, air fresheners out of lilac. They're just beautiful. They bloom for a month and a half, two months in spring. Then they just have this beautiful, soft, green foliage. Now, this is one, too, you need to buy the right size. So lilacs, they probably have know, 20 different varieties of lilacs in stock right now. And they, they vary. They're kind of like roses. A lilac is a lilac is a lilac, but the flower color changes depending on the model you like. So they'll go from the traditional purple, like your grandmother grew, to bright whites and yellows and reds. They're really spectacular, very bright colors. Uh, Mr. Lincoln, bright blue, a sensation. It's a variegated purple, not, not just purple. I mean, like, like periwinkle, edged in white. It's magnificent. These are all varieties of lilacs that get up to head higher above. This, this is a big shrub. So you can easily go head high and above, maybe eight foot tall. But now there's a whole series of plants that are coming that are dwarfed. So they've got this whole series of, of bloomerang. So in other words, repeat blooming miniature lilac. And literally mine bloomed three times last year. It's kind of like a rose. It blooms really, really well in spring. Then it takes a break, reforms flowers, blooms again. Then it takes a break. And then in fall, it blooms again. The flowers are a bit smaller on the bloomerangs or these dwarfed varieties because the foliage is smaller, the shrub is smaller, so is the flower. It makes up for it in sheer volume or number of flowers. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Same great fragrance, lilac fragrance, but now it pulsates different blooms. And it, you never have to prune it. You never have to take care of it. It just stays at this hip-high kind of shrub, mounding shrub. It's a great plant for here. And again, lilacs have such a deep root structure that uh, they're just so robust. So in an arid climate, they do really well. And you can count on them 
to bloom every single year. With one caveat, let me just, so I've had a couple customers that they bought a lilac from me like two, three, four years ago, bloomed magnificently for, for two years, and then it didn't bloom last year, hasn't bloomed the last couple of years. Ken, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? What's happening? How do, how do I make this thing? How do I wake it up? Uh, lilacs, because they're such a large shrub, and they, they load up with so many flowers, the flowers are so large, they tend to be heavy feeders. So if you were to plant that plant and, and not fertilize it even once for the next two years, probably year three or four, it's going to stop blooming, or the flowers will be smaller, or it, won't, it just won't have as much. You really do need to fertilize lilacs pretty regularly. And I would say if you're thinking uh, um, holidays, you need to fertilize it about Easter, you need to fertilize it at the 4th of July, so, so right before the monsoons hit. It's a great time to fertilize those heavy feeders. And then the absolute most important feeding of all for lilacs is Halloween. So that fall feeding, it's using that food to create the flower bud that you'll see in the spring. So it's using that. So, so always a season ahead is the most important uh, um, fertilizing for whatever plant. That, if it's a summer blooming, Spring is the most important feeding. If it's a spring bloomer, the fall is the most important feeding. If it's a fall blooming, summer is the most important. Always fertilize a season ahead. You have better fragrance, better color. You have a healthier plant. Just a side note. I guess one other thing it could be, if you get the wrong gardener and you just don't know what they're doing, they'll come in and, and prune everything off in January, February when most things are pruned, and they're pruning that lilac. Well, it started setting flower buds last fall. They came and you've got, this thing's loaded with flowers, little nodules at the top. They come in and start whacking things off. And they, they just literally cut all the flowers off. They just, the, the lilac didn't have a chance. You could fertilize all you want out of that one and it will never bloom because, uh, or, or another one you'll see, some, some uh, uh, neighbors you'll see, the flowers are all, all shooting out to the side, but there's no lilac buds on top, no flowers on top. That's a, that's a gardener that didn't know what he's doing, a mow and blow guy, comes in and whacks off the top, clicks all the, the, the cuttings and runs off. The yard looks clean, but it'll never bloom. So that, that could be the two, two reasons why a lilac might not bloom. Some others you'll find, uh, blooming shrubs. Um, I really, really like, and it's really off the radar of most folks, but one of my favorites is rosemary. It starts to bloom now. It's this beautiful evergreen shrub. Yes, you can use it in the kitchen. Rosemary smells good. Animals don't eat it, but it has this beautiful blue flower. Tremendous pollinator. The bees start to wake up in March, and they're really, they've been hibernating all winter, and they are hungry. There's nothing really out there for them, so they start foraging for any kind of flower, and they love rosemaries. It's a great one if you've had trouble pollinating your fruit trees. If you've struggled with fruits not pollinating each other, well, plant a few rosemaries in that orchard or around those trees. They'll draw the bees in, and while they're pollinating the rosemary, which are naturally attracted to, blues, they'll be up there pollinating your, your, your apples and pears and peaches and apricots and nectarines and almonds and all the other things. So it's a, you can use it to your benefit tremendously. I would say also uh, lavenders. Lavenders are in that same ilk, in the same kind of, of family of plants, a low-growing shrub, knee-high or so, and it has covered in blue flowers or white or red or rose-colored. We've got several different colors you can pick from, way more choices than just your traditional blue your grandparents 
uh, grew for years. And yes, it makes a great herb. You can use it for potpourri. Just lavenders do really well in a, in a bright, dry, crusty, hard soils. It loves that. That's where that's where they thrive. Uh, Potentia, spirea. I mean, I can go down the list, and, and they're all starting to bloom here at the garden center now. It's a great time to come in, look, and shop, and see what that is. If you're walking your neighborhood, and you see something you like. You got a camera phone? Take a picture. Bring it in. We can ID it for you. We'll tell you. Oh yeah, that's a that's a potentia. This variety. Here's the one you want. Or lilac. Oh yeah, that's a, that's our yellow lilac. And here's, it's right here. You can have one. So we can help you ID what that thing is. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. The colors of spring are bursting at Waters' 58th Spring Open House. Talk directly to our farmers as they show off the newest flowers, brightest evergreens, and freshest new bloomers. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday, it's impromptu garden classes, sidewalk art, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 58th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 13th through 15th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Some things are just better together. March is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters Garden Center. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Ah. Thanks, Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together, and only at Waters Garden Center. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Now last week was our 58th spring open house. Waters Garden Center's been around... 58 years, and, and no, I'm not 58 years old, getting closer every every year, but uh, my father-in-law, Harold Waters, started the Garden Center back in 1962 in March, this, this week in March, and so we celebrate that. The problem with March in the mountains of Arizona is you never quite know how the weather's going to be. I do it for two reasons this early. One, the staff is bored. We get We get the doldrums like everyone else, and so... We just sip coffee and wait for the season to start. And it gives us a reason to, to go get the garden center ready. So we sweep, we lay pavers, get new signage, we repair tables, we oil carts, we bring in inventory, we, we go to farms, we shop for the best, we bring in new things. And then, so it gets us ready. Whether it snows or it's nice or whatever, I, didn't, I never know. But at least we're ready to go. So when the weather does break, the garden center just looks Oh, inspiring. Just just beautiful. And it, it is stunning. It's really pretty. We also have the greenhouse space that if we get in trouble, we brought something that maybe is borderline and we're worried about, you know, some some new rose that's growing. Well, we can protect it. It won't kill. Cold, cold won't kill them, but it can burn off that new foliage or take the flower that it was that was blooming on it. We have the ability to protect those with all the greenhouse space we have. We load up on houseplants just for this open house. We load up on on herbs for for this event. We load up on the early spring vegetables. 
all non-GMO organic. We'd load up on the things you can plant now. It's not everything we're going to have. And you know, by the end of April, we'll have thousands, I mean, literally hundreds of tomatoes alone, thousands of organic herbs and vegetables that you can just nibble on and try and plant. But it's a bit early. It would be misleading to have too many of those things for folks and think, oh, I could plant a tomato. You plant it and that that night the cold takes it. So we got we 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 cycle through what's what's right for that time. We do load up on a lot of shrubs, especially the early spring bloomers. We load up on it gets us ready. Well, last weekend it snowed. All my vendors came, all the growers came, they're chit-chatting with the with the with the gardeners that came in, which was a delight. But it wasn't as many as we'd hoped for because it was rainy. Then it got a little frosty. And now it looks like it's starting to get nicer again. We decided to just kick the can going, okay, we're going to keep the signage up. We're going to keep the displays and merchandise reloaded with some newer plants, got restocked with some more plants um, and said, let's just go. Let's extend the spring open house for another weekend. Okay. I won't have as many growers here. I've got I think I talked one into coming. Lisa and I will hang out here. We loaded up, front loaded with a whole bunch of professional gardeners and designers. They're here floating around. Uh, but but the growers aren't coming out of the field for this. One is. Maybe two. He said he might re redo his route and come here. But anyway, we're going to keep going. The 58th Spring Open House. One more weekend here at Waters Garden Center. Come on down and share the excitement. So it is... We do dress it up so it feels like a botanical garden. Uh, we are going to have a garden class. It's on on peonies, growing peonies and early perennials on Sat on no, Friday. Um, so that that's fun. Uh, we'll have displays galore, signage galore, lots of information. So you'll have you can hang out with other cool gardeners. They like they like funky hats and brightly colored gloves. We like to talk Latin plant names at least so you could hang out with some some funky folks that are kind of just fun so come join us it's a fun time spring is here and i think you can start planting selectively in your yard especially if you've got a brand new backyard that you don't even know where to begin take a picture bring it in we designed on the fly all the time uh, lisa and i we camp out here at waters garden center if you like the show we love talking to fans the colors of spring are bursting at Waters 58th Spring Open House. Talk directly to our farmers as they show off the newest flowers, brightest evergreens, and freshest new bloomers. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday, it's impromptu garden classes, sidewalk art, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 58th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 13th through 15th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.